we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. When you live in a state of complete inward uncertainty, you will see that you meet any challenge with clarity and swiftness. Hello and welcome to episode 102 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the archives of the Philosopher's Talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is uncertainty. Upcoming themes are revolution, comparison and greed. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, an international boarding school offering a personalised holistic education for about 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on uncertainty has two sections. The first extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Sarnen, 1980, titled We move from certainty to uncertainty to certainty. We move from certainty to uncertainty, then from that uncertainty to another certainty. Trust this person and then later on discover that he's not worthy of your trust and move to another and again put your trust in him then discover he's untrusty that's our life right please you're not putting your trust in me Be very clear, I won't have it. To me that's the beginning of corruption. Avoided all my one's life, this life, not to be corrupted, I won't be corrupted. 
So, as I pointed out yesterday, various types of experiments have been made on animals – pigeons, monkeys, rats. And these monkeys, pigeons and rats, by pressing a button, get their food. But if you keep changing the buttons all the time, the bird, the monkey, the rat gives up. They die. You understand? This constant movement from certain to uncertain from trust to trust. This is what has happened to all of to human beings. This has been the movement from time immemorial. You understand, sirs? You trusted the priest, the whole hierarchical structure of organized religion, you discard it, then go to another. It is the same thing in a different garb. There you put your trust and again discover later on, good Lord, what have I done? And always seeking outside somebody who will give you hope, trust, certainty, either in books, in philosophers, in priests, or in scientists, or in politicians. Right? And none of them have given extreme left, right or centre. So what is wrong with us? Why are we doing this all the time? Or if you don't do it, you become cynical, bitter, save it, not worth it, and lead your own narrow little ugly life, and that's that. But if you are asking for certainty, which you are, where do you find it? In a human being? In a priest with his garb and with his mitre with his all that? Or in India? Where do you find it? What is uncertainty? You follow my question? Where do you find it? In somebody else? In idea? In a concept? In the state? You understand what I'm asking? In having plenty of money and feeling completely safe? 
There is no such person anymore. So where do you seek certainty? Please. If you seek it, you won't find it. Right? Because you have sought it in everything around you. I used to know a man who one day walking he was, he was walking one day along the beach let no other dog bark you know that saying he's walking along one day along the beach and he found a piece of wood washed by the sea for many, many, many years, a piece of wood which looked like a human head with face and eyes. It was the most beautiful thing, polished wood. And he took it home and put it on the mantelpiece and said, what a beautiful thing that is, I'm glad I found it. And as he looked at it, week after week, one day he put a flower then few days later incense and began to worship it and by some misfortune by the maid or somebody by misfortune burnt it Push it in the fire, burnt it. He came to me and explained to me the whole thing. And he was literally a grown up man in tears. You understand what I'm saying? There was his certainty in a piece of wood. So, where do you seek it? If you don't seek it anywhere outside you, then what happens? You understand my question? Apply it to yourself, you're sharing this thing together. What happens if you don't seek certainty in anything that thought has created? in God, in illumination, you know, in the whole thing. So you, you don't ask for certainty. I don't know if you followed. You've asked there and you've found none. And you're going to ask if there is here, inside, your brain, your mind, your heart. And you know your brain is volatile, hmm? moving, changing, adjusting, 
breaking one pattern, taking another pattern. The same phenomenon which was out there is happening inside. I wonder if you understand all this. So, the moment you don't seek certainty, certainty is. That means you have really stopped seeking any kind of permanency in yourself or in there. If you have sought it there, you turn inward and you discover it is the same thing. Can I trust myself? I can, when I'm doing a technical work. But can I trust myself, myself which has been put together by thought? And thought has put trust in you, and your thought has discovered you. There's no trust there. You follow? It's the same movement. So when you don't seek certainty, there's something far greater than certainty. The second and final extract in this episode is from the second talk in Bombay, 1964, titled be free and live in a state of uncertainty. Most of us seek security of some kind because our life is endless conflict from the moment we are born to the moment we die. The boredom of life, the anxiety anxiety of life, the despair of existence, the feeling that you want to be loved and not loved, the shallowness, the pettiness, the travail of everyday existence. That's all life. In that life there is danger, there is apprehension. Nothing is uncertain, nothing is certain. There is always the uncertainty of tomorrow. So the mind, you, are all the time pursuing security, consciously or unconsciously. You want to find a state psychologically first, and outwardly afterwards. It's always psychologically first, not outwardly. You want a permanent state where you will not be disturbed by any danger, by any fear, by any anxiety, by any sense of guilt. That's what most of us want. as both most of us seek outwardly as well as inwardly. Outwardly we want very good jobs, 
We are educated technologically to function mechanically in a certain bureaucratic or whatever it is. And inwardly we want a peace, a sense of certainty, a sense of permanency. In all our relationships, in all our actions, whether we are doing right or wrong, we want to be, un- we want to be secure. We want to be told, this is right, this is wrong, don't do this, do that. We want to follow a pattern, because that is the safest way to live. Either the pattern set by you or by another, by society or by guru or by your own ideas and impressions. So there is this constant demand for outward security as well as inward security. The inward security is made much more complicated when there is the authority of an idea. You follow what we mean by an idea. The ideal, the pattern, the example, the formula, And the hero, the example, that is permanent, towards which we are striving. And therefore there is always a distance between what is and what should be, and therefore there is a conflict. And when a mind is seeking security, you must have authority. Whether it's the authority of the society, of law, or the authority set by society as an ideal, as the person who will tell you what to do and what not to do. And ultimately the perfect security that we seek is in God. That is the pattern which we are up, according to which we have lived for centuries upon centuries. Man has existed as man, as they have been discovering anthropologists, for two million years. And there are paintings, there are all kinds of things to indicate that man has always been in this constant anxiety, constant fear, constant state of apprehension. It is a stream 
on which man has floated. All the time seeking, seeking, seeking. And in the very search establishing the authority of a book, of a person, of an idea. And consciously is doing that. Observe, please, as I said, your own minds, your own lives. That's what you are really interested in, mostly. Security outwardly, money, position, power, comfort. And inwardly, an undisturbed state, free from all anxiety, free from all problems, free from all sense of danger, imminent or in the distance. That's our life. And we have accepted this pattern of existence. We have never questioned it. When we are very disturbed, then we try to run away from it to the, through the temple, through various forms of escapes. We have never questioned and never inquired into our souls whether there is such thing as security. Consciously or unconsciously. And we are going to question it now. You may not like it. You may resist it. Because we are not used to facing things at all. We are not used to looking at ourselves as we are. We would rather see things that are not there, or imagine things that should be there. Now we are going to look into what is actually. First of all, is there such thing as inward security in relationship? in our affections, in the ways of our thinking, is there the ultimate reality which every man wants, hopes, pins his faith? Because the moment you want security, you will invent it. You will invent a God, an idea, an ideal, which will give you the feeling of security. But it may not be real at all, it may be merely an idea, a reaction, a resistance to the obvious fact of uncertainty. So one has to inquire 
into this question of whether there is security at all at any level of our life. First inwardly, because if, if there is no security inwardly, then out of our relationship with the world will be entirely different. Then we shall not identify ourselves with any group, with any nation, or even with any family. Therefore, we must first inquire into the question whether there is a permanency, whether there is such a thing as being secure. Which means that you and I are willing, happily, easily, with a certain hesitancy, to look into ourselves. Because we are bound by authority. Again, outer and inner. The authority of society, or the authority which we have established for ourselves through experience, or the authority given to us by tradition. We are trained to obey, because in obedience there is security. And to find out if there is such thing as security, one must be completely be free from all authority. And this is very important to understand, because all religions have maintained that there is a spiritual permanent entity. call it by different names, the soul, the Atman, or whatever you like to call it. All religions. And we have accepted it, because propaganda, conditioning, our own fears, our own demands for security, we have accepted that as a comforting, as an actual reality. And there is the whole world which says there is no such thing, just it's a matter of belief, it has no validity. The communist world, whom you call the atheists, the non-believers, the ungodly and all the rest of it, as though you are very godly because you have a belief. So, a man who would inquire into this question of security, must be completely be free, totally, of every form of authority. That is not the authority of law, of the state, 
but they are the mind that seeks authority or establishes authority in a book, in an idea, in an experience, in knowledge. Please follow all this, consciously or unconsciously. Only such a mind then can begin to inquire into this immense problem of security. Otherwise you and I have no communion. I, because I said there is no such thing as security, psychologically. If you try to find security in God, it's your invention. You are projecting your desire in a symbol which you call God. But that, is no, that has no validity at all. So, you have to be, not only be free of authority in that sense, that, when, that is, the mind that seeks authority, author, establishes authority in an ideal, in a formula, in a person, in a church, in a particular belief, and conforms, obeys. One has to be free of that, not only consciously, but unconsciously, which is much more difficult. Because most of us so-called educated people reject, you know, they don't believe in God. Because it's not very great, important, because they have either a very good job, or they have a fair bit of money, and belief in God is just an old-fashioned idea and you throw it out of the window, and you carry on. But to inquire into the unconscious and be free of the urge, of the unconscious urge to find authority is much more strenuous. Because the unconscious, I'm not going to it very deeply, I'm going touching it briefly, the unconscious is the past of many thousand years. The unconscious is the residue of the race, of the family, the collective knowledge. The unconscious is the whole tradition which you may deny consciously, but it's there. And that becomes our authority in moments when there is trouble. Then the unconscious says, go to church, do this, do that, do puja, whatever you do. The promptings, the hinting of the unconscious, with all the past, becomes the authority, and the, which becomes our conscience. The inner voice and all the rest of that business. 
So, one has to be aware of all that. Understand it and be free of it in order to find out and to live, in order to find out if there is security and to live in the truth which you discover for yourself if there is security or not. Then also, we find a great deal of security psychologically, emotionally, in identifying ourselves with an idea, with a race, with a community, with a particular action. That is, we commit ourselves to a certain cause, to a certain political party, to a certain way of thinking, certain customs, habits, rituals, as the Hindu, the Parsi, the Christian, the Muslim and all the rest of them. To commit ourselves to a particular form of existence, a particular way of thinking, identify ourselves with a group, with a community, with a particular class, with a particular ideas. This identification with the nation, with the family, with a group, with a community, gives you also a certain sense of security. You feel much more safe when you say, I am an Indian. or I'm an Englishman, or I'm German, whatever it is. This identification gives you security. One must be aware of that too. So your problem becomes extremely complex. If you do not understand directly the question, not all the side issues, when you put to yourself whether there is security or not, because it is secure, if it is the desire to be secure when there is probably no security at all, that breeds conflict. If psychologically you saw the truth that there is no security of any kind, at any time, at any level, there is no conflict. Then you move with life, then you are active, creative, volcanic in your actions, explosive in your ideas. There is no, you are not tethered to anything, then you are living. and a mind that is in conflict obviously cannot live clearly, with clarity, with an immense sense of affection, sympathy. Because to love, you must have a mind that is extraordinarily sensitive. But you cannot be sensitive if you are in perpetually afraid, perpetually anxious, perpetually worrying, insecure, and therefore seeking security. 
and a mind in conflict, obviously, like any machine that is, is in friction, is wearing itself out, becomes dull, stupid, bored. So first then, is there such thing as security? You have to find it out, not me. I say there is no security of any kind, psychologically at any level, at any depth. It's not a reality to you. If you repeat it, you will be telling a lie, because it's not true to you. So you have to find it out. And to find it out, because you have to find it out. It's an urgent problem, because the world is in chaos. The world is in, is in a dreadful condition of despair, violence, brutality. The world you live in, not Russia or China or England or the world around you, the family, the people you come into contact with, that's your world. In that world, if you look deeply and not just casually pass by, you will find this immense sense of despair, anxiety, degeneration, a constant imitation. And to understand this life with all its vastness, and the extraordinary beauty and the depth of life. Not imaginary depth, imaginary beauty, but actual palpitating, vital, strong beauty of life, existence, living. Your mind must be completely in a state where not a scratch of conflict has remained. So you have to find out for yourself. And we are finding out for yourself, for yourself. If you feel that there is security inwardly, then you will be living in perpetual state of conflict. You will be living in a perpetual state of imitation, obedience, conformity. And therefore you will never be free. And your mind must, mind must be free, completely. Otherwise it cannot see, otherwise it cannot understand. It is not, if it is not free, it cannot see the beauty of a tree or the loveliness of a cloud, or the exquisite smile on a face. So, is there security? 
the permanency which man is seeking all the time. As you notice for yourself, your body changes, the cells of the body change every so often. As you see for yourself, you are in your relationship with your wife, with your children, with your neighbors, with your state, with your community. Is there anything permanent? You would like to make it permanent. With your wife, you call it marriage. Legally, hold it tight. And is there permanency in that relationship? Because if you have invested in that wife or husband permanency, when she turns away or looks at another or dies or some illness takes place, you are completely lost. You have become jealous. You are afraid. You run to the temple, do puja, invite all kinds of nonsense. Please, observe your own minds, observe your own lives. Because if you don't understand your life, the misery, the unhappiness, the constant battle of your life, your everyday existence, you can't go very far. You may talk about God, you may talk about love, you may talk about beauty, they have no validity at all. You must, to go very far, you must begin very close. And the closest thing to you is yourself. There you must begin. So you have to inquire and find out for yourself if there is such a thing as security, permanence, an undisturbed state. Not what other people have said, Shankara or somebody else. Wipe them all out. They have no truth in your life. They have as much truth as a good detective story. What is truth is your life, the battle, the misery, the conflicts, the problems. Unless you understand that field completely, you can't possibly go any further. If you do, you'll be going in an illusion, in a fancy, in a myth that has no validity at all. Now, when you begin to inquire, either you inquire to find out what is true, what is factual, factual in the sense psychologically, what is actual, not what you would like to be, not what you think it ought to be. The actual state of every human being is uncertainty. 
the actual state. Those who realize the actual state of uncertainty either see the fact and live with that, or they go off, become neurotic, because they can't face this uncertainty. They can't live with something that demands an astonishing swiftness of mind and heart. And so they become neurotic. They become monks. They do every kind of fanciful escape. So you have to see the actual and not escape in good works, good action, uh, going to the temple, talking. The fact is something that demands your complete attention. The fact is that all of us are insecure. There is nothing secure, nothing certain, nothing. My son may die, my wife may run away, I may fall ill, nothing is certain. Now, why don't we accept it and live with that? You know what it means to live with it? Have you ever tried to live with something and not get used to it? You know, one can get very easily used to a tree, the beauty of a sunset. That's very easy. But to live with a tree, to see the sunset every day anew, to see the leaf as though you are seeing it for the first time, with a clarity, with an intensity, with a sense of extraordinary beauty of that leaf. That requires not memory. That requires that you look at it anew, each day afresh, with an intensity. So, to live with uncertainty, because it's only the mind that is uncertain that's creative. Not the mind that has continuity. Not the mind that is completely secure and then create, writes a poem. That is too immature, too juvenile. But to live in that state of complete inward uncertainty. Then you will see that you will meet every problem of life at any level, at any depth, at any... of every crisis, of every challenge, you will meet it with a clarity, with a swiftness. Because for most of us, the inadequacy of response to a challenge is the beginning of conflict. Because life is 
constantly giving us, each one in different ways, according to his temperament and state. There are challenges all the time, conscious or unconscious. All the time, 24 hours of the day. Either you respond completely, each time, and therefore no conflict at all, because your response is completely adequate. And you can't keep this up. You can't keep up for 24 hours responding all the time. But when there is inadequacy of response, which creates a problem, then to meet that problem immediately and resolve it immediately. And that can only happen when your mind is completely in a state of movement, untethered, living, vital. And you can only be vital, moving, tremendously active in, a, in, in action. <coughs> Only when there is mind is completely free from all the fear of security. But you say, for most of us, everyday life going to the office, the family, the sex, the many pleasures brutalizes us. I do not know if you have considered a man who has spent his life, thirty or forty years of his life, going every day to the office. Look at his mind. He can't function any other way except in that. Like a doctor who specializes in a particular disease. His heaven will be that disease. And after spending 30, 40 years, your mind is worn out. It's not fresh, it's not young, it's not innocent. It has been brutalized, specialized, beaten, shaped. And so it keeps to itself tight in a corner, and life goes by. That's what we all want your children to be. You want all your children to be, have a good job for the next 40, 30, 40 years, so that they will be dull, stupid, not capable of facing life.
That's all we are concerned. There are wars. Man is destroying man. There is terrible cruelty. Everyone is out for himself. In the name of God, in the name of society, doing good, going, helping people and all the rest of it. Using everybody to profit oneself. Or for the idea with which he has identified himself. That is the state of man. That man, not, I'm not using the word individual, because individual is something entirely different. There is only individuality, real individuality, when you're alone. <coughs> when you're completely free from all social, environmental, control, shaping. We are men. A human being tortured, caught in this terrible world of misery. And you can't escape from it. It is a fact. You have got to <coughs> grapple with it. You've got to put your teeth into it. And that requires energy. And that requires passion. That passion and that energy you cannot possibly have if you waste your life in conflict. So, from the beginning to the end, a mind has to understand this immense problem of struggle, trying to become something endlessly, everlasting, and that which we call, and that we consider evolution. To everlasting, to, to become, become, become. Fight, fight. And there is never a moment of actual peace, not imagined peace. Not the peace of stagnation of a mind that says, I have, I have found God, I have found some reality, and I am happy with it. If he has not understood conflict, if he has not understood his being, if he has not gone into himself deeply, widely, with clarity, then he has no peace. Do what he will. He may pretend to others. Then he is a hypocrite. But to find that reality, you mu one must completely understand the security and be free and live in that, in, in that state of uncertainty. Because for most of us, life is empty. Being empty, we try to fill it with all kinds of things. But if you understand the security and insecurity, you will find as you go into it deeper and deeper, 
I'm using the word deeper in the sense non-comparatively. This is not a question of time. Then you understand completely this problem of security and conflict. Then you will find, find, not believe. Then you will find for yourself a state where there is complete existence, complete being, in which there is not one sense of fear, no anxiety, not a sense of obedience, compulsion, a complete state of being, a light that does not seek that has no movement of beyond itself. 